Well, good afternoon and Merry Christmas to you. Uh, to everyone who's gathered here in this room, to everyone who's in our overflow space, we're so glad uh, that you were here. And for folks who will be watching online later, uh, Merry, Merry Christmas to you. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church. And I love celebrating Christmas. I love the way our church celebrates Christmas. I love this time of year. And so I'm so glad that you are here to be a part of it. I also want to say, give a special welcome to all the kids in the room. Shout out to all the kids. Kids, where are you at? Awesome. Hey, kids, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to the adult that you're with, and I want you to look at them and go, shh, to them, because they've probably done that to you already, so you can go ahead and do that to them. Lots of traditions today and tomorrow and in the days to come, uh, especially giving gifts. We're excited. I'm not sure how you guys do it. Uh, just by show of hands, how many of you are allowed to do the whole stocking tonight on Christmas Eve? Okay, see, so you, oh, you don't get it. All right, cool, that's cool. Uh, no, it's cool, you'll, you'll eventually learn. Uh, we have different ways even of opening gifts, right? When you can open one, do you only get one on Christmas Eve, none on Christmas Eve, all on Christmas? Some people, Santa comes a little early because they have to travel on Christmas Day. So we have all kinds of different ways of giving gifts. And uh, I, I, it's, what's interesting about our culture, uh, specifically American culture, is we really love uh, to give gifts at Christmas. In fact, if you think about it, there is no other holiday where we give gifts like we do at Christmas. I mean, your birthday, you get gifts, but that's not a national holiday. Don't think so highly of yourself. Uh, so Christmas is really the only one. We don't give each other Easter gifts or Groundhog's Day gifts. Christmas is a really special one. And what's really interesting is this year alone, uh, this holiday season, Americans will spend over $465 billion on holiday gifts. $465 billion on holiday gifts, which is really uh, quite a lot when you think about it. And does anyone know what one of the number one toys this year, this holiday season is? Anyone know? Want to take a guess? You got it. Uh, Hatchimals, said like a dad right there. Hatchimals. Hatchimals are, if you're not familiar with it, it's okay. Save yourself the energy uh, because it's this year's Furby and Cabbage Patch Kid and Tickle Me Elmo. It's that, it's that all over again. What's crazy about Hatchimals, and the reason I think it's possible for us to spend $465 billion, is they cost $60 in stores, but you can't get them in stores. And so they've been going from $200 to $500 to $700 online for a $60 toy. Should have bought some back in the summer. You could be selling those now and paying for a Bahamas Christmas. <laughs> so it's interesting to kind of see how much we love to give gifts and how much it's a part of what we do. But lots of times for many of us, uh, we can get stuck in not knowing what to give. Maybe you have, does anyone have anyone that was really hard to shop for this year? Like you could not figure out how to shop for them. It, that we all have people that are difficult. Like, I don't know what to get them. I'm not sure what to get them. So because we are a church that really wants to come alongside and partner with you, we're a church that wants to help. I want to let you know about a gift. If you haven't finished your, sh your shopping yet, which you only have a few hours left. But if you have it, I want to offer you a gift that you can get that I believe is, is timeless uh, and at the same time incredibly relevant and incredibly cool and incredibly, uh, like I think anyone would like this. Uh, it's actually, I want to show a picture of it. It is the hipster nativity set. <laughs> and this is actually a real thing that you can buy. The hipster nativity set can be yours. In fact, I want to just zoom in if we could on Mary and Joseph. I believe they're taking a selfie. <laughs> She's got her coffee. He's barefoot for some reason with Jesus. And then I think the shepherd has a few things we need to pay attention to. 100% organic beef. I appreciate that. 
and that is gluten-free feed. And of course, the sheep has a, a nice little sweater there. And then let's uh, zoom over to the other guys if we can real quick. Uh, anyone want to guess who these guys are? These are the wise men. Yes, the hipster wise men bringing Amazon Prime gifts, last minute <laughs> gifts to everyone. Although I think it's interesting they put them on segways because no hipster would be caught dead on a segway. So I think maybe they missed on that one. I want to actually focus in on these guys uh, for, for a little bit. You're familiar with the story of the wise men or as we're going to see here in a second, the magi. There's so many uh, really interesting and fascinating components to the Christmas story. And my hunch is you're familiar with the story, but there may be some things that you didn't know. And in fact, what I want to highlight today is an invitation given to every one of us from these guys, from the, the wise men, from the magi. They, they actually do something that becomes an invitation for you and I to participate in this Christmas. See, they brought gifts to Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever thought about that. You know that person that you have that's really hard to shop for in your list? How would you shop for the Son of God? Like, how, what would you possibly get baby Jesus, right? So the question to consider for every one of us that they had to consider as they traveled so far to come and see Jesus is what do you bring? What do you bring, the God who has everything? Like, what can you bring? What do you bring to the God who has everything? What could you possibly bring to God from your life? That's what I want us to look at for the next few moments. So what I want you to do is grab a Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 2, if you would please. Matthew chapter 2. If you have a Bible with you, great. If you don't, that's fine. We've got you covered. There should be a great Bible in your seat back, both here and in overflow as well. There should be a great Bible. And you can turn to page 676 in the great Bible. Just turn there right away. It'll fast track you there. And we say this all the time. If you're new around Soul City, I want you to hear this from from us. If you are serious about knowing who God is or you're curious about knowing who God is, but you don't own a Bible, uh, we can actually fix that for you right now. If you do not own a Bible, we want you to steal a Bible from church this Christmas. In fact, I think it'd be really fun to say you stole a Bible from church at Christmas. And I would encourage you to have fun with it. See if you can sneak it in your jacket. See if you can like walk out with it in your purse. See if we even notice. Nothing makes us happier than when people who are curious about God steal a Bible from church. So if you don't own one, please steal one this Christmas. They make great stocking stuffers. Uh, all right, so let me give you some context into where we're at. We, I mentioned that we're going to look at the story of the birth of Jesus but we're actually going to look at it through the eyes and the lens of some unique characters. In fact, interesting first little fun fact. The wise men, as we're going to see here, the magi, as they were called in their day, actually weren't there that first Christmas. They actually weren't there at the birth of Jesus, as we're going to see here in a second. And they offer us an incredible invitation about bringing something of ourselves to God this Christmas. So let's look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It says, first word, after Jesus was born. So this is actually about two years after Jesus is born. Do the historical accounts that we have and records that we have about what this story and this moment uh, in history, we know that it's about two years after the birth of Jesus uh, when he was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. So Matthew's kind of giving us some context here as to where we're at. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. So that's important to pay attention to. So they're heading to Jerusalem. They're not actually going to Bethlehem. And they asked, where is the one who's been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So if you remember the story, you're familiar with the story. Shepherds saw and were greeted by an angelic choir and hosts singing glory to God. And there was a star in the sky that led the shepherds that first Christmas night to Jesus. Well, these magi actually saw that from hundreds of miles, several hundred miles away. They actually saw the same star. 
and began to figure out this wasn't here last night. There's something new that's happened. Something significant has happened. And so that began their journey of eventually getting to Jesus some two years after his birth. Now, the Magi are important for us to kind of understand. We call them uh, wise men, but that word Magi actually in their culture uh, meant spiritual leader. They were like spiritual leaders. But we don't have any account of what religion or form of religion they were a part of. We know that they probably came, it says from the east, probably from the land of the Medes and the Persians, a couple hundred miles away, several months journey on foot to get to uh, Jesus where he was as a toddler. So we know that they're spiritual leaders. We know they're from the east. We don't know anything about what they know about God. They just know that something significant has happened. And so they want to go and see what it was. And so they actually go to the king. They assume that something great, a royal child was born, a king was born. And so it says that they actually went to the palace in Jerusalem to the king of Israel because they assumed if this king has been born, that's where kings hang out, his palaces. So they actually went there first. Now I want to remind you, uh, due to some of the events that come up in the next couple of verses, we know this is about two years after the birth of Jesus. So I do, I do want to say to those of you who are a little late on your Christmas shopping and you still have maybe one or two more gifts to wrap up this afternoon, uh, be encouraged. These guys were two years late and still made it into the Bible. So you're doing fine. You're doing totally fine. So give yourself a little bit of a break. So they go to King Herod and they ask King Herod about this king that's been born. And what can you tell us about him? Well, they didn't find Jesus in the palace. Uh, what they found was a king who was paranoid about power and specifically threats to his throne. And so when he hears that a new king has been born by these religious leaders, these travelers from the east, uh, he actually says, oh, well, why don't you tell me more about them? And if you happen to find this king, why don't you tell me exactly his location? I need street corners. I need to know exactly where he is so that I can come worship him. And by worship him, he means eliminate him. Eliminate any threat to his throne. So these magi, these wise men figured out that the king was actually up to no good. And so they went around. Let's jump down to verse 9. They kind of caught on to his plan. And so it says this in verse 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them. So the star that had been in the sky, a new star in the sky for about two years now, went on ahead of them. And they followed it. Uh, and they kept following it until it stopped over the place where the child was. Verse 10. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed because they knew something significant was about to happen. Verse 11. On coming to the what? On coming to the house. See, that's how we know it's not actually at the birth of Jesus because Jesus was born in a manger in a stable. And so this is actually at his house. So significant time has passed since that first Christmas night. On coming to the house, they saw the child, not the baby, the child, with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And it says this, they'd been traveling all along with treasures, gifts to give to him. And they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Maybe you've heard that or sung that before. You're familiar with these gifts. Now the text tells us, and I want to keep this verse up on the board. I want to do actually just a real quick pop quiz. I know it's Christmas break. I know the last thing you want to do is a pop quiz, specifically a Bible pop quiz. But the answers are again on the board. How many gifts did these magi bring to Jesus? Anyone want to guess? Three. Three. That's right. Great job. It's on the board. So how many magi were there? See, that's where they got you. 
because we don't actually know how many magi there were. We don't actually know. And yet for all of our traditions and all of our songs, there's always three travelers, three wise men. But the text actually never tells us that there's three. We just know that there's three gifts. So here's the fun thing. When you're at Christmas parties tonight or tomorrow and you see a nativity set, you get to be a Bible snob and you get to look at that and say, well, you know, that nativity set isn't actually historically accurate. We don't know if it was three or 30. And I guarantee you people will want to listen to you. They will think you're interesting and fascinating and you will own the room and own the conversation. I think, I maybe, maybe not, probably don't do that. But here's the thing. We know that there's three gifts. We don't know how many there are. We just know that they had come to worship Jesus and they brought three specific gifts. And I just briefly want to unpack their gifts because it says something about what they saw in Jesus. And it opens up the invitation for what you can actually bring this Christmas to the God who has everything. Now let's unpack what they brought. First gift is, do you remember first gift was? Gold. Here's just a good rule of thumb. Gold, always a great gift. <laughs> you can never go wrong with gold. I think this is like the first century equivalent of a gift card, just gold. You just gave gold. And so not a bad gift. I mean, if you're married, that you're, these strangers at your door are a little creeping you out maybe, but then they show up with gold and you welcome them in and serve them tea. So there they have gold. Uh, and now why is that significant? Why is that so important? Well, because gold was the currency of kings. Gold was the currency of kings. And they brought this gift of gold. We don't know exactly how much it was, but they brought this gift of gold to signify Jesus as king to recognize his royalty. This is a very intentional gift. Each of these gifts, as we're gonna see, was well thought through and well chosen. And so they brought gold to say, we believe you are a king. And so we're bringing you a gift that is fitting for a king. And so they give gold, the currency of kings. Second gift, does anyone remember what the second gift was? Frankincense, Frankincense. great job. Now, not as nice as gold, but a nice gift nonetheless. You might recognize the word that's at the back half of frankincense. Anyone know what the word is there, Frank? Incense. And so you're probably familiar with incense. And frankincense is not the same kind of incense that your college roommate uh, burned in your dorm room. This is kind of a different thing. Uh, frankincense actually uh, is a very, very, very specific gift. Now, I don't know. We don't know how these religious leaders from hundreds of miles away knew about frankincense. But frankincense was a very specific incense. In fact, in the Jewish temple, there was an altar called the altar of incense. And that, that altar was to be perpetually burning. There was always to be fire, always to be burning of frankincense on the altar of incense. That's the incense they used was frankincense. And that altar of incense, what it did was it reminded all who were near and got near to the temple, that fragrant aroma, that smoke that you'd see, the fire was a reminder of God's presence, that God was with his people. So very important that anyone who got anywhere near the temple could smell the frankincense because it was a perpetual fire burning on the altar of incense. And so these magi, these religious leaders, are saying something by giving Jesus frankincense. They're recognizing his deity, that he is now the presence of God with us. How did they know? How could they know? They recognize his royalty through a gift of gold. And they honor and worship his deity, that he is actually God with us through the gift of frankincense. And then there's a third gift. Anyone remember what the third gift was? 
Myrrh. Okay, so like, like it goes gold and then frankincense and then myrrh. Even how you say it is kind of how it feels. Myrrh. Right? It's just not one of the, it's not a very exciting uh, gift to give anyone. Very odd gift to bring to a child's birthday uh, or anyone's birthday for that matter. If you're unfamiliar with myrrh, it's okay. It's, it's, it's from another culture uh, a couple thousand years ago. What myrrh was, was myrrh was an oil or like an ointment that was used to embalm bodies to prepare them for burial. And that's what they brought to the party. <laughs> Talk about a party foul. They actually bring myrrh to the party for a two-year-old. Now you can imagine Mary as she's going through the gifts of these strangers that they've showed up to her door like, gold, oh my, Joseph, gold. They gave us gold. Oh, that's so kind of you. Thank you. And frankincense. Oh, Frank. Oh no, for the diaper smell. Thank you so much for the, for, and uh, what? Myrrh. Oh, you gave a child myrrh. Can you imagine how that would feel for Mary? Now, this is actually really significant. Not a very um, positive, it's, it's, it's not the Hatchimals of its day, uh, but myrrh actually said something very powerful and very prophetic because, again, I don't know how they knew, but these magi, these religious leaders from hundreds of miles away, knew that the death of this child who would grow up to be a man, who would give his life for us on the cross and be raised by God from the dead, that death and resurrection would change the world forever, would change the landscape of eternity. They knew that there would be something significant, not only about his life, but about his death and his resurrection, that through his death, we would actually be given life, salvation, hope, peace, purpose in this world. Three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Each of them said something about what they saw in Jesus. They brought something that they could give to this child who would change the world forever. And it got me thinking about what I would bring. If that was, if that was me, if I was one of these magi and I had to bring a gift to this king, this savior of the world, what would I bring? Like, how, what would I even... How would you even think to wrap your head around what to bring? And as I was thinking about our time together here today, and this Christmas specifically, I began to think like, okay, so what then, what would I bring today? What can I bring today? What is it that I actually bring to God this Christmas? What is it that I'm bringing to him? And then I began to think about you all and our time together here today. And I began to wonder, what is it that you could bring? What can you bring to the God who has and has given everything. What do you and I get to bring to the God who has everything? Years ago, when I was six or seven years old, um, I really looked up to my brother Justin. He's three and a half years older than me. And, uh, you know, I just, I loved everything about who he was. And I, I, I just wanted to be like my big brother. Are there any little brothers or little sisters in the room? Raise your hand if you're a little brother or little sister. All right, so maybe you can relate to this. When they're not like punching you or, you know, or t you know holding you down, you actually really look up to your older brothers or sisters. And so I really looked up to my brother Justin. And I remember I wanted to give him gifts. It was time to uh, give him gifts. It was actually for his birthday. And, um, I, you know, I, I didn't have a ton of money, you know, because I was uh, six, seven. I didn't have a lot of money at that point. And so, so I thought, how can I, what can I get my brother that I know that he'll love and he'll know how much I love him. 
And I got the idea one day when he was out riding his bike with his friends or something like that. I don't know where he was, but he wasn't in the house. And I got the idea. I went into his room and I thought, I know what I could do. I could give him his like things. I can wrap up things that I know he'll love and give them to him. And he, I, I am guaranteed to win. He will love it. And so I began to systematically steal things from my brother's room. And so I stole like a model airplane he'd built. I think like his Chewbacca, Star Wars figure. I stole a couple of things. And then I wrapped them up myself. And then when it was his birthday party and their gifts were going around, I had like four gifts. I'm like, I totally cleaned house this year. I think you're going to know who loves you most. And he got to the first thing and he opened it up. And, you know, it was this interesting process of him opening up and like getting excited at first and then realizing he shouldn't be because he was looking at his own model airplane that was already built. And he was like, is this mine? And I was like, you like it? Because I, because I knew he would, you know, he's like, yeah. And so that just kind of went on and on. It didn't quite have the effect that I wanted. I thought it would work way better than it did. But as I think about the gift that I brought him uh, that year, and I think about the gift that you and I can bring to God this Christmas, you know, it's actually not all that different. There's not a thing that you can bring that isn't already God's or that God can't actually redeem or that God can't make whole or that God can't make new. There isn't a thing you can bring to God that he doesn't already know all about. Not a thing about your life or a thing about your story that's a surprise to God. And so when you think about what it is that you want to bring, I want you to think for a second about the heart that you're bringing to this Christmas. What's the heart? If you, if you gave God your heart or a part of your heart this Christmas, what would it be? Maybe for you, maybe for you, your heart is... Um, overjoyed right now. You have a happy heart right now. Your heart is happy. Maybe there's been an addition to your family this last year. Maybe you were able to begin a new job or move into a new home or you just kind of look across your life and you go, I am, I am grateful. I'm overjoyed. My heart is actually full. Do you know that's one of the best things you can bring to God is a grateful heart. He loves it. He loves when you bring back to him thanks, praise to say, God, thank you for this. I actually recognize that this is from you. God loves when we bring our happy heart to him. And I'm telling you, that's why so many of the folks, Jeannie mentioned, that are building our transformation center and people that have faithfully given to that. It's not out of guilt or obligation, not any of them. It's out of this overflowing grateful heart. God, I get how good you've been to me. What? Why wouldn't I want to bring that back to you this Christmas? So maybe you have a happy heart. And I want to encourage you in a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to just name those things, to bring them to God in an act of gratitude. Or maybe for you, maybe for you this Christmas, uh, you have a hurting heart. Maybe your heart is hurting. Maybe there's been a loss this year that uh, you weren't ready for. A relational loss or the loss of a job or the death of a dream. Maybe you lost someone that you love very much and you miss very much and you can't imagine this Christmas without them. Maybe for you, it's just an overarching sense that our world seems to be more fragile than ever, doesn't it? And in our nation alone, we're seeing the cracks that divide. We're seeing racial injustice continue to play out on a national scale. We're seeing the continued perpetual abuse of, of power, the turning of sides and 
this side and that side and what that's done to our nation. You look across the world and you consider what's happening in Mosul and you consider what's happening in Aleppo and hundreds of other places around the world. And if ever there were a time where that lyric of that song, a weary world applied, I think it's 2016. I think it's right now. So maybe you have a hurting heart. And maybe you thought God wasn't interested in your hurting heart, that you just kind of had to fix it on your own. Do you know that's one of the best things you can bring to God is a hurting heart. To just say, God, I'm sad. God, I'm hurt. God, I'm lonely. God, I don't get it. And you can actually bring that to God because God loves to receive a hurting heart because his promise is healing for hurting hearts. He'll actually heal your heart. In his time, he can and he will. Or maybe for you, maybe for you, the whole reason you're here and hearing this Christmas message this year is because maybe you've kind of brought half your heart to God, you know, here and there. Maybe as a kid you did, but then you walked away and it meant something, God meant something to you long ago, but that's, it's been a long time since then. Maybe you kind of feel like, oh, you know, I'm, I, I'm good with God when I need him, but outside of that, I'm just going to kind of do it on my own. Maybe the best thing you could bring to the God who has everything is your whole heart this Christmas. Your whole heart. All the parts of your life that you thought you had to keep under control or manage, all the parts of your past that you've tried to keep hidden. What would it look like for you to bring your whole heart to God this Christmas and say, just as you gave the gift of your son, Jesus, I want to give you the gift of myself God this Christmas, my whole self, my whole heart. I want to trust you like I've never trusted you before. What do you want to bring to the God who has everything, to the God who's given everything this Christmas? You know, the whole Christmas story really comes down to that decision, that choice for you and for me. All of the incredible characters that had become such a part of our life and our tradition. And the more we learn, the more the greater the depth we see, like the Magi, or you think of the shepherds, or Mary and Joseph, two teenagers, and giving birth to a, a baby in the back of a hotel in the garage in the back in some obscure town. I mean, it's the most unlikely story, isn't it? And yet here we are 2,000 years later celebrating it. Do you know the whole reason that Jesus came as he did 2,000 years ago? is so that you could come as you are today. He came as he did so that you could actually come as you are today, this Christmas. So what would it look like for you to just come, to come this Christmas to God, to bring whatever heart you have, a happy heart, a hurting heart, or your whole heart, you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have it all wrapped up in shiny paper. You just need to bring it to God. And so we want to provide you space to do that. Because of all the rush and the excitement and the chaos of Christmas, you can miss a moment like this. So we just want to pause for a moment and give you a chance to bring wherever your heart is at to God. So here's what we're going to do. I want to lead us through a little time of prayer that anyone can do, any one of us can do. And what I want you to do is I'm going to have you actually name the heart to God that you're bringing. Whatever it is, you know the word better than I ever would. And to do that, I'm going to ask you to stand up. And so I'm going to ask all kids and adults to stand up right now, if you would. And kind of put anything that's in your hands, out of your hands, that's distracting to you. If you're holding a baby, you know, you can keep doing that. <laughs> but I want to ask you to stand. And 
I'm not sure if you grew up around church, around praying, but maybe you, if you're familiar, you've been before, uh, there's a prayer posture that people take where you, maybe you learn you're supposed to fold your hands like this. Anyone learn that as a kid? You're supposed to fold your hands to pray. It's not actually in the Bible. Uh, they just did that so you didn't poke the people next to you. Uh, it's a really sweet idea and a tradition that we have. But we actually have a, a different tradition here at Soul City Church. We like to pray with our hands open. We think that says a lot more. And so I'd ask you if you'd be willing to just open up your hands right now from just right where you're at. Yeah, this is between you and God, not between you and me. It's between you and God. What do you want to bring to the God who's given everything for you? What kind of heart do you want to bring to him this Christmas? And so with hands open, you stand in actually a really beautiful posture because you, you're free to actually be able to give to God your whole heart, all of your heart, your happy heart, your hurting heart. And you're free to receive from God what he has for you. And so I'm going to ask you to actually out loud with your own voice, just for the next couple seconds, just say, here's the heart I'm bringing. Maybe it's a lonely heart or a hurting heart or a scared heart or a grateful heart. And I just want you to say, God, I'm bringing you, and then you fill in the blank. Does that make sense? Anyone can do this. And so I'm going to ask you to do that. Then I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to close out with a couple traditions that we really love here at Soul City Church. So right now, in the next couple seconds, just say out loud, God, I'm bringing you, and then go ahead and fill in the blank yourself. God, I'm bringing you a tired heart. And God, we thank you that we can actually come to you because you came to us. Because you came to us 2,000 years ago in the form of your son, Jesus, vulnerable, available for all of us, we can actually come to you this Christmas and bring you our hearts, our hurting hearts, our happy hearts, our whole heart. And you know exactly what to do with it. And you know how to give us exactly what we need this Christmas. And so I thank you that you came but I also thank you that you're here now and that you're with us now and that you actually want this Christmas to be unlike any other Christmas in our life before where we get what it means to be present with you and to bring ourselves to you this Christmas. Thank you for the gift and the invitation of the Magi and help us to follow in their example and to declare who you are by the gift that we bring. And so it's in your name that we pray and that we sing and we declare who you are and that you've come. Amen.